This episode is brought to you by VinSmart. Need help with your recall campaigns? DMVs, government agencies, fleet owners can learn more by visiting vinsmart.com slash businesses or call 1-888-950-9550. Welcome to AmbaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Amva community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the AmbaCast, everyone. This week, I am joined again by Chrissy Neiser. Chrissy is no stranger to our listeners of the AmbaCast. Chrissy, of course, is the administrator of the Maryland Motor Vehicle Administration and is the chair of the Amva board, which is why we're going to talk to her this week because the board of directors just had a meeting. Chrissy, welcome back to the AmbaCast. Thanks for having me and glad to be here. So the board just uh, spent last week a couple of days in what ended up being yet another fully virtual board meeting. Um, We had intended and planned to all be together uh, in Austin, Texas, and uh, it actually would have been the first time the board met in person in two years. It was January before the pandemic started that the board last met in person, Um, and we unfortunately had to make a change to go virtual. It was, you know, the, the, the right decision. I think what's interesting about the decision, and maybe you could just share with folks, is it may not, it wasn't just on the surface another COVID cancellation. It was a little bit more complicated than that. No, that's exactly right, Ian. And, and it was unfortunate. We were looking forward to being in Austin, Texas, and being able to spend some time with our former board chair, Whitney Brewster, um, but it was just not to, meant to be. As you said, there were several circumstances that a call came together, unfortunately, at the wrong time um, to stand in the way of us all being together. Uh, not only was uh, the increase in COVID cases that we we're seeing, um, we had the snowstorm that was coming through, which was impacting um, several individuals from a travel plan perspective. And then also just all the cancellations that we were seeing through TSA because the shortages they had um, of pilots and individuals to, to work um, the flights. So it was really a combination of things as well as just, you know, conflicts that folks had back at home. So it's great that we do have this remote setting to to be able to utilize for our board meetings, although certainly we are looking forward to being back in person again soon. Um, I think we all recognize that those sideline conversations that we all have, those insights that may happen not directly in the meetings are so pivotal to what we take away from our AMBA experience. So um, looking forward to being able to resume that sometime soon. Yeah, it's funny. We learned through, you know, those cancellations. Um, Ann and I apparently both have the same weird hobby of still checking our flight status, even when we're not taking the flight. And we discovered that, you know, even if we had gone forward with the meeting because of the weather, I don't know that either one of us, and perhaps you as well, we would have made it to Austin because of all those cancellations. Maybe not. I had a friend who actually was traveling, um, had to get her son back to college at the same time that we were supposed to have the board meeting. She went through five cancellations and ultimately wound up driving. Um, It's just been a challenging travel time. So certainly sensitive to everything that's going on, but uh, I think it was the right decision for this particular circumstance. Absolutely. And the silver lining was, you know, we had a high attendance virtually um, and the folks were engaged and discussed a lot of key topics. I think that's what we want to maybe update our listeners on was some of the highlights that the board discussed for, for a couple of days. Um, You know, traditionally the board spends a good portion of the first uh, part of the board meeting on, you know, what's, 
commonly referred to in board of directors parlance as their fiduciary responsibility, handling the financials and finances of, of any organization, let alone of AMVA. Um, what are you know any of the key highlights in terms of how the board discussed the financial state of AMVA that maybe uh, members should know about? Yeah, and it is important. The January meeting is really our governance meeting. You know, it's a meeting where we um, don't have outside stakeholders participate. So it really is focused on that governance of AMVA. And obviously, as you said, finances for any organization are a key component of that. Um, and certainly for us, and we take seriously, I know the, the responsibility that these are really taxpayer dollars that are coming in, whether it's your dues or IT system charges. And so we want to make sure that we're using that funding wisely. So we got a update from our treasurer, Kurt Myers, as well as um, Wendy Sibley from the AMBA team in terms of how things are going. Um, and, you know, financially, AMBA is doing well. We've been able to weather very challenging times. Um, you know, being able to uh, reduce charges in some cases for our members and still be in a good fiscal setting. Um, Wendy also updated us related to the audit that was performed um, on AMBA. And um, the good news is there were no findings there. So members can feel very confident that the organization is operating well and according to all best practices and standards. Um, we also got an update on a new initiative that we're working on um, in terms of financial transparency. And the idea is that we want to make sure our members, um, as well as outside individuals, have easy access or easier access, maybe I should say, to financial information for the organization. And we're all very excited about the new AMVA website that is soon to come. And that will be a, a great way to start the process of putting information out there that folks can start accessing more readily. Yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, conversation because for the past, I don't know, past decade, I guess, uh, there has really been a movement of how the board has um, reviewed the finances of AMVA and there's a lot of information. And it's really just a matter of making a lot of that information that the board looks at on a quarterly basis and say, how can other members have access to that information that the board sees so that they know their money is being spent responsibly and that the decision the board members are making are in the best interests of members. I think there's a lot of trust there that that exists. In fact, we, we'll talk about that a little bit later. We know that from our member assessment is a lot of trust in the AMVA board and the AMVA team, um, but it's about making that information accessible on a more wide scale. Yeah, that's a great way to put it because, you know, the board has access to so much information. The AMVA team is very transparent in terms of providing us with access to all of that. And I know we feel confident that um, the resources are being spent well and that there is, um, you know, good intention in terms of um, making sure dollars are spent effectively and efficiently. But those outside may not have as much visibility. Um, and that certainly plays, to, I think, what we'll talk about a little bit later in terms of strategic framework. How can we give others outside of the board and maybe outside the governance structure of AMBA that additional visibility? Um, and, you know, I also like to, to thank the members of our, our finance committee. Um, many listeners might not recognize that we've got members of the finance committee. Some are board members. We also have other members, uh, members throughout the jurisdictions who participate on that committee, which is a very important group that looks in great detail at these issues, even at a deeper level than the board does, um, to ensure that we are meeting all standards and requirements. Mm. What one of you mentioned, you know, governing both finances and, you know, key systems and programs. One of the big programs and IT systems, of course, that Anva operates and manages is NIMVITIS. 
And for, for many years, there's been lots of conversations around the governance of Novitis, the partnership of DOJ, and there's been an ongoing effort to make sure that there is a long-term strategy to independently sustain the operations of, of Novitis. And um, this board meeting was a real milestone in setting that, that direction in terms of the future of how to make sure that Novitis is self-sustaining, as is required by federal law. Um, can you talk a little bit about where, where the board is headed in that direction? Yeah, it was a very important development. And so AMBA is not allowed, as you indicated, to to fund Invitas. And we had to get to a point where it was really self-sustaining from an operational standpoint. Um, and so we, uh, our former chair, actually, Mike Dixon, put together a committee to look at this issue. And there were representatives from all throughout the regions, big states, small states, um, very populated states from a vehicle standpoint and, and those that are less so, um, to look at how do we do something that's fair? How do we ensure that Invitas is fully funded, um, but ensure that we're doing so in a way that um, meets the needs of all jurisdictions? And so uh, the board received recommendations from the Invitas Funding Committee um, for a tiered approach, um, and more information will certainly come to members as we move forward. Um, but as a way to ensure that we're spreading out the costs in a way that is equitable across the different jurisdictions um, for what it takes to run and beat us every day. And we all know what value that system adds. And so we want to make sure that we are sustaining that system and doing what needs to be done. Um, so it was a real milestone. Um, more to come at the April board meeting. Certainly we'll get into more specifics and the numbers as we refine um, what was given approval um, from a conceptual standpoint at this meeting. And that conceptual standpoint is it, it's not an uncommon model in the Amber world, you know, whether it's dues or some of the other programs that are transaction based, the idea of, you know, tiers and volume, whether it's volume of transactions or proxies such as, you know, how many vehicles or how many drivers you have. You know, there's lots of models in the Anvil world that kind of follows that conceptual approach. So would you say this is, you know, the, the while they work out the details um, for jurisdictions, particularly that are listening about changes in how Invitus is funded um, or how it's being charged, fairly consistent with a lot of the models within the, the AMVA ecosystem, if you will. It very much is. I was involved um, when we came up with the state safety model, for instance, and part of the reason that we balanced that in terms of per jurisdiction fee and then the per driver fee was to do that, to make sure there was some equity in terms of the fees that were being charged. And you point to some other great examples of how um, really attention is given to ensure that um, we base it not only on the amount of traffic that's going through the system, whether that's vehicles or drivers, but also that the, the overall cost of the IT system is spread out throughout the jurisdictions in a way that really makes sense for everybody. Yeah, so I think the members can feel confident that um, we are moving forward in a way that's consistent with what they've seen before in terms of this kind of tiered approach. Um, and like I said, there were representatives from each of the regions. So looking out for mm -hmm. um, the interest of those jurisdictions in particular and how, how best to move forward. But it is such an important system. We want to make sure we're doing the right thing. One of the things we know that uh, members are constantly looking to AMBA for are all the best practices and the standards and, and the guidelines. And one of the key roles when you talk about the board's governance role is, and a lot of listeners may or may not know this, they know that the best practice and standards often grow up through the working groups and the committees, but any best practice that's delivered to members is always the final approval and decision to publish is 
that authority is the board of directors. And so at each board meeting, anything that's ready gets that final sign off. Um, and there was a couple that the board approved at this meeting that will soon be available to, to members. I think we have two that are coming out of this meeting, correct? Yeah, so it's exciting um, to see those come up through the process. And, and that committee process is really important. Again, I want to thank the volunteers who spend the, the time to really delve into these issues and create those best practice documents because they are so valuable. I know myself, I when we come upon an issue that we're looking for some recommendations, I'll search the Anvil website to see what's already out there from a best practice or a policy recommendation standpoint. Um, yeah, so there were some um, not only some some new policies, but the best practice um, document related to fraud um, mm-hmm. that was approved. And so um, that is a very important document, obviously, that continues to get added to over the years uh, as different topics come up. Um, it's such a key part of everything we do. We know the products and services we provide are sought after um, in ways that are maybe not above board all the time. And so we have to constantly evolve um, and, you know, enhance that document to keep up with the uh, ever-changing times. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll give a, a quick uh, promo commercial for those two best practices for folks to be on the lookout. We've got the, it's an update to the uh, detection and deterrence of fraud document, which as you referred to, Chrissy, has become this larger and larger manual over the years. And I think you were even involved, you know, maybe 10, 12 years ago with where that started around internal fraud. And then, of course, has grown over the years. Um, and then a new best practice around fighting fraud related to dyed fuel, which is such an interesting, uh, fairly niche topic. But for people who work in that area of fraud around dyed fuel, it's it's really fascinating. I think this best practice is going to be really helpful to um, both the DMV authorities that regulate it, as well as our enforcement partners have to go out and literally test dyed fuel by pulling fuel out of out of tanks. That's right. I, I was involved in that initial um, document creation. And I remember at the time, uh, the, the statement that always stands out to me is don't put your head in the sand. I don't know if folks remember that, but that was in that original document because mm. it was all about that awareness piece. And I think, you know, every um, additional tool um, that we provide to our law enforcement partners, as well as those who are engaged in these efforts is really critical. So I'm thankful for the effort that's been put into this new best practice. So Chris, you mentioned earlier about the excitement to getting back to in-person meetings. Um, I think that was that was a really um, healthy discussion that the, the board had about recognizing why we had to do what we did for this meeting, but clearly everyone's excited to get back together. Um, as a lot of our members know who have watched the return of in-person meetings, we've been piloting a uh, meeting protocol for you know the first few months of in-person meetings that required um, vaccination to attend an AMVA meeting and keeping a mask on at, at all times. Um, and so the board wanted to revi- wanted to visit how that pilot is gone and figure out what might be the, the next phase of this kind of next chapter of, in, of in-person meetings, knowing that as soon as you decide something about in-person gatherings right now, the next day, you know, there's new news that changes assumptions. But the board, you know, said, okay, we, we learned a lot from this pilot and now let's, let's tweak it and try something and see how, how it goes over the next few months. Um, can we share kind of, you know, what what members might expect um, in kind of the next quarter, if you will, of in-person meetings in terms of a, a protocol? 
Sure. And, and really grateful that we were able to develop that protocol because, as you indicated, we were able to get back to those in-person meetings for the fall. And, you know, the fact that we were able to have regional administrator meetings, mm-hmm. Region 3 had a meeting, um, really great progress. And I know there was so much excitement. It was my pleasure as chair to be able to be at those events. So it was a great step forward for AMBA. But as you said, the board did take a look at that and where we should go at this point. Um, and so the protocol moving forward will involve um, either providing that proof of vaccination or a test. Um, and the protocol for that test result, a negative test result, obviously, will be developed by the AMBA team and will be available um, within the next month or so. And so we'll make sure we get that out to everybody. Um, in terms of masks, obviously, always recommended to wear a mask, but it will be optional unless, obviously, that local jurisdiction has a particular protocol. And as you said, I think it's always a balance, right? In the conversation, it was a very healthy conversation. Um, We had perspectives all across the board, to be quite frank with you, just as you see them in in society or maybe even in your workplace today. Um, But that's where the board landed. And I will say it is for the time being, because as you indicated, things change so quickly in this environment. Um, So, you know, we will revisit that policy and certainly make adjustments as it's appropriate. Right. At the end of the day, we just want people to feel safe, right? right? We want to get back together. We want to be in person. How do we do that in a safe way? That's all of our goals. Um, and, you know, we want to ensure that not only in our workplace, we want to ensure that as we get together as an AMBA community. Sure. Well, certainly, you know, being a safety organization, we want to do things safely. And you mentioned the idea that we want to get back together and we want to connect, which is really a great segue to, you know, another big conversation the board had, which is around the uh, work being done to update the strategic framework. Um, Because we, one of the things we learned is we've concluded a member needs assessment and member satisfaction survey and the board saw those results. Uh, One of the overwhelming points of data is a very large consensus from the AMVA community that um, AMVA's most important primary role is that connection. That's right. It was the number one thing that regardless of your role within um, a jurisdiction or even outside as an associate member, folks felt like that was really the key role of AMVA. And so, you know, connection obviously takes a variety of forms, especially in, in these last few years. But I do think our ability to connect with each other, whether it's remotely or in person, is something that we all treasure. It's how we've built the relationships we have. It's how we develop the best practices that um, we were talking about earlier. And it's really um, the value that we bring to AMVA membership. And so, talking about that strategic framework, making sure we're continuing to evolve the organization in a way that meets the members' needs is really a critical conversation. Um, Even though we were remote and it's a little more difficult to uh, have breakout sessions, we did that in a remote uh, environment um, using electronic tools. And I think we had great healthy conversation in each of those sessions about Um, what is currently in place, what we like to see in place, especially based on that members need survey. I want to thank everybody that responded. We truly take those responses seriously. We want to be responsive to that and again, make sure we're moving the organization forward in the right way. So we may have some folks listening who did participate, either they were in one of the early focus groups or they did the electronic survey. Um, Some of the other highlights that came out of that research project that maybe folks who we're just one person filling out a survey and like, well, what happened to that? What, what might we share some of those highlights? 
Sure. So I think um, there was a lot of uh, appreciation for the AMBA staff and um, for the board, uh, the leadership of AMBA, a lot of trust um, in AMBA as a source of information, which I think is great to see that confidence that membership has um, in the team. Um, there was a lot of interest, in, and I think not surprisingly so, in terms of development of staff and retention of staff. I think it's a challenge that we're all facing, not only in the AMBA community, but just in the larger larger world today based on circumstances. And so a lot of interest in how AMBA can continue to grow in that capacity. Also some interest um, as people you know, indicate different roles in the organization. Um, how do we meet needs at different levels of the organization? How do we make sure not only are we meeting the needs of the top executives, but meeting the needs of our are individuals who are growing and moving through leadership positions in the organization, or maybe those frontline employees. And so it really challenged us to think about how we um, ensure that we are uh, looking at all of those individuals, as well as our associate members, as we move forward and develop initiatives and, and, and ways of communicating with people. So you, you mentioned associate members. Um, that was part of the agenda where we were able to welcome back former chair Whitney Whitney Brewster. Um, we were hoping to do so in Austin, but she joined us online. You, as current chair, have asked Whitney, as a previous chair, to step into a very specific role as it relates to associate members. Can you talk a little bit about what you've asked her to do and, and why and kind of where where she was with her feedback to the board? Yeah, so Whitney is um, taking on a new role, um, an advisor um, and um, communication with the industry to try to really make sure that we are, again, listening to the needs there and trying to be as responsive as possible. Um, so we're excited to have her serve in that capacity, again, as former chair. Um, she has a really great perspective and, and relationship with the industry. Um, she did participate um, along with Phil Quinlan in their meet, a meeting that was held with industry in October to get some feedback from them, as well as the feedback that came through the survey itself. And so Whitney participated in, in the meeting we had, not only to, to provide us feedback, but also to hear the feedback from the board members in terms of how do we best engage. Again, it's been challenging to connect in this remote environment. It's been challenging um, for the private sector in a variety of ways during the pandemic. And so how do we continue to evolve that relationship? We know we so need the services, the uh, the, the new products that come from industry, the um, just the all that, um, especially in an environment where we're remote, we've come to rely on that um, for our products and services for our customers. And so how do we make that work in the best way possible? And so really appreciate Whitney dedicating some time and, and providing that function. Uh, one of the other takeaways in the <clears throat> member needs assessment and the strategic framework conversation was this trend that we're hearing from members to have uh, some more focused educational opportunities that are very topic specific. Um, not necessarily in lieu of other things we're doing, but it's always, you know, the kind of the theme of AMVA is in addition to, right? <laughs> we, don't, we don't want you to take anything off the table, but can you also do X, Y, and Z? Um, and uh, you and I and some others have been working on some ways to pilot that approach. And we have kind of two events upcoming that really are going to give us a flavor of what, what does it mean to gather people on a more topic focused um, environment 
Um, let's talk a little bit about those because I'm not sure everybody knows that these are in the works or where to find the information. Let's talk first about what, we're, what we've given a fun label to our pop-up classroom. That's right. And it was great to see in the um, survey results that there was this real interest, as you said, in, in topic-specific events. And that was regardless of where people um, came from in, in their jurisdiction or the private sector. And so the first one um, is related to mobile DLs, obviously a huge topic of interest. It became clear after the combined committee meeting that happened in the fall that there was really a need to come together and have a conversation as a community about the critical issues. Um, time is obviously of the essence as deployments are happening quickly. Um, AMVA is obviously working on the framework um, for the digital trust. And so it's a great time to be coming together as a community, not only with our uh, private sector members, but also to talk one-on-one -on -one with jurisdictions. And so uh, AMBA is actually funding two members per jurisdiction to come to the event. Um, so I encourage everybody to take advantage of that. You know, it's a great opportunity. And so many aspects of mobile DL, I mean, you might want to send somebody with a legal perspective, you might want to engage your law enforcement partners. Um, there are so many components of it, not only from a business perspective, but um, also just the privacy and the IT. So, so many opportunities to really have folks better engaged and better understanding of the issues. And I know Amba's got so many experts in addition to obviously, as I said, all of our private sector members who, who I'm sure will, will be in attendance as well. Yeah. And the other one is an experiment that I know is near and dear to your heart, which is how we have worked with the standing committees to reframe the agenda for the Workshop and Law Institute in March. That's right. And that agenda is out on the AMBA website. So I do encourage everybody to go out and take a look at that. And the idea was really, how do we make sure that when you leave that AMBA workshop and that meeting in particular, because it is really meant for our subject matter experts, our folks that are managing divisions, our folks that are really in the trenches, what tools do we give them? How do we make sure they leave and they feel like they've got additional resources that they can turn to, um, to be able to do their job every day and do that job better. And so essentially it is broken down into three tracks for the first time. It's not to say that you can't mix and mingle different tracks, but um, it, the intention is to really cover broad disciplines. We know we won't cover maybe every topic that every individual wanted because this approach is a little bit different. Um, but the idea is that, you know, between these three tracks, we're really hitting on key issues in the AMBA community. And again, hopefully leaving attendees with that um, sense that they've got real tools to take back and be able to, uh, to apply every day in their jobs. And I think the other opportunity in those tracks is since, like you said, this event, unlike, say, the AIC, this event um, really is not targeted for a chief administrator or a deputy chief administrator to attend. It's for someone who's leading a, a department, a division that's making the operations work. But the tracks allow the chief administrator to say, okay, what are we focused on this year and who from my team should attend to bring that information back, which may or may not be the same people the chief administrator wants to send the next year if the tracks are, are different. It allows them to pull those levers of, okay, who's the right folks on our team to go and get that information based on what's being focused on rather than feeling like you always have to cover it with a bunch of generalists. 
That's right. And and that is key. I think, again, going back to that framework conversation, right, and the desire to be able to really invest in our team and make them feel like, you know, they are critical to our success moving forward. And also, you know, just frankly, it's a benefit to be able to add, to be a part of those conversations. And I know our team, they really appreciate having the opportunity to attend an AMVA event. And so the more we can do like that to build up um, the, the, the bench of knowledge and expertise that's out there, I think is it's really critical. You know, some of these topics like driver license reciprocity, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of knowledge that's out there in the field. And unfortunately, some of that has been retiring over the last few years. Yeah. So how do we build that back up to make sure that we continue to have strength in areas like that, that frankly are very nuanced. And maybe to your point, not every administrator or chief executive is going to understand all the details, but it is really important that folks who are managing those divisions, who are managing those processes and working with other jurisdictions get to meet each other and yeah. get to have those really detailed conversations and, and talk about how we move forward because, um, you know, that's what it's all about. Great. Well, Chrissy, I asked you to come on and give a little recap about the board meeting. I'm sure you were thinking about the highlights from your perspective. Um, I've mentioned a few. Is there anything we haven't talked about that came up in the board meeting that you really wanted to make sure members members knew about, or do you feel like we've we've covered the gamut? A few things I'll just mention in terms of you know real highlights. I think for the organization, we did talk about Invitas funding, but didn't mention that 50 jurisdictions are now participating. That is just really a huge milestone mm-hmm. for the AMBA community. So something I wanted to to point out there, um, and also just to give folks kind of a little bit of an update on the compact. We have had some some progress there as well. Um, certainly more to come, but uh, from a governance perspective, there has been a, um, a decision made to move in the direction of how the compact governance and state-to-state governance from a driver history perspective can come together. Again, we're very early on in that process, but nice to have that direction. So we now can have those more detailed conversations, not only with the state-to-state governance committee and the AMBA board, but obviously ultimately any change will go before the full compact membership and that would happen at our September meeting along with the AIC. So did want to give folks a heads up that that's coming. Those who attend the workshop and some of our um, meetings coming up, I'm sure there'll be more detail about that, but good to see the the compact conversation continuing to move forward. Well, you, you mentioned it. And so it's, uh, you can never have too many reminders. You mentioned a September meeting in September AIC. We know that that is different for many of our listeners who attend the AIC. Um, I might as well give you your, your 30 second Baltimore commercial. Tell everybody one more time about AIC 2022. That's right. We have to keep reminding everybody. I have to remind myself a little bit because we're so used to August, but so excited to welcome everybody to Baltimore. It's a great time of year to come. Um, It'll still be warm enough, but not so humid as you get during the summer months. We're looking at some great activities really to show off the city. Um, It's a great city of neighborhoods and food and culture and history, uh, sports teams that we all love. And so we're- Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know about all love. All from Baltimore. <laughs> but we but we want to include everybody in, in, in the process and, and and show a little bit of what we have in Maryland. So looking forward to it. Yeah, so mark those calendars, September thirteenth through fifteenth. Like I said, a few weeks later than normal, but uh, yeah, living just south of of Baltimore myself, I think you're right. I think September might be a, a little bit easier to walk around outside than August. 
Exactly. Well, Chrissy, thanks again. Thanks as always for joining us here on the Amphicast. Um, I know our members really uh, not only always enjoy hearing from you, uh, but I think really being able to listen to what the board has been up to and how they are um, taking care of that that governance role, like you said, which is the focus of the January meeting. And we'll continue to have you back to update the members throughout, throughout your term as chair. No, thank you, Ian. I want to really thank you and Claire. It's a great service that you guys are providing with this podcast. I know I, I've said it before, but I'm an avid listener and I you know, get so much content and knowledge from the other jurisdiction members and some of the guests that you bring on. So I want to thank you guys for providing the service for our membership. Well, I really appreciate that. Um, it was um, early on the pandemic, Claire came to us and said, hey, let's get into this podcast game. I said, all right, all right I'll, I'll jump in the pool with you. And it's um, it's been a delight. It's been great to have those conversations with so many folks, uh, especially during these times where we can't be together to be able to be connected like this. Um, and I'm proud to say we have now passed 15,000 downloads on our, on our podcast, which is not a small number um, for a podcast that's very specific for a very specific audience, right? This is not, you know, this is not one of those mainstream podcasts that everyone uh, would listen to um, with the exception of my beloved sister-in-law who has nothing to do with the community and is the one family member who will listen to my podcast. So I always, I always have to thank her. All right, Chrissy, we will talk to you again soon. Thank you all for tuning in this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Until next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Recall Buzz, powered by VinSmart. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.